0: The Bank of England has become the latest G7 central bank to play into the market's ever-shifting view on the outlook for monetary policy. It trimmed economic growth forecasts and warned that the uncertainty of Brexit is limiting both supply and demand. The report was published as a Monetary Policy Committee left interest rates on hold by 6 votes to 2, losing a hawk from last month's vote of 5-3. I'm Michael Hunter and this is Hard Currency, the FT's weekly podcast taking the temperature of the world's single biggest market. Our guest today is John Wraith, Head of UK Rates, Strategy and Economics at UBS. John, thank you very much for coming in. The pound's recent rally against the dollar cooled after the midday brace of announcements there from Fred Needle Street and it weakened further against the euro. What are you making of the news and the implications for sterling?
1: Yeah, you're, you're right. There was quite a sizable move. We, we'd expected the vote to be 6-2. Um, you mentioned it was 5-3 last time, but of course, the third of those hawks had actually left the committee. So this effectively was the status quo. But as you saw from the market reaction, others perhaps were looking for something more hawkish today as well. And, and that didn't transpire. So we saw quite a significant correction. It's in line with our expectations, really, that the UK is in a very difficult place right now, that growth has been slowing. And although inflation has has risen a bit, it's probably near its peak. And and therefore, uh, this approach to monetary policy looks appropriate to us.
0: And there are two stories here, John, aren't there? There's the discomfort that the pound found today around those rather elevated-looking $1.32 levels. Meanwhile, at around 89.90 pence against the euro, which is already lower on the year, it also took a little bit of a knock. The dollar weakness is a story there as well. Euro strength is a story there as well. Where does the pound and the outlook from the Bank of England fit into this wider monetary policy picture?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. And you, you, you point out there that actually what we've been seeing of late isn't really a sterling story. It's, it's been sort of collateral um, to, the, to the underlying moves. It's been a soft dollar Um, really for the the whole of this year so far and a strong euro and sterling sort of caught somewhere in between. Um, And if you look on on a trade weighted basis, so you sort of average all of the moves against relevant currencies for the UK, um, sterling is at uh, at the level really where it started this year. It's been quite volatile um, along the way, but it hasn't moved dramatically one way or the other. And I think what that tells you is that, that for the markets, we're in something of a holding pattern here where Um, As I said, growth has lost quite a lot of momentum compared to last year, the second half of last year. And the big question is whether that is, you know, the start of something more persistent or just a temporary blip. At the moment, the market is, I think, undecided, which is why Sterling hasn't moved far. Um, In our view, unfortunately, you know, we are likely to see growth stay weak for a while. and, And we think Sterling will soften
0: further in due course. And do you think that the whole Brexit uncertainty as we roll towards the, the Article 51 deadline in, in March 2019 is something that's just now inescapable?
1: Yes, and, and in truth that is the main reason for for our defensiveness on uh, sterling and our downbeat expectations for the UK. We've thought since the referendum, but in particular since the the, the triggering of Article 50, which crystallises that exit date, that the UK is is set to confront a period of very elevated uncertainty. And and only when we get real material clarity on future relationships with the EU will that uncertainty start to be resolved. Now, that means taking a a view on how the negotiations are going to unfold and how long it will be until we get any such clarity. Um, And we're on the pessimistic side of things. We think that the complexity of the negotiations... Um, how far apart the two sides are starting from and really just from a, a sort of tactical point of view that for the EU to get maximum leverage out of the negotiations it is in its interests to to hold out on striking that deal with the UK. So if we have to wait until very near the deadline for real clarity then we think growth is going to go on struggling all the way through and, and that's what informs our view of further downside risks for the currency.
0: And we've had some weak economic data in july running into the august uh rate call that we we've seen this week um are you concerned about those numbers in any great way are, are, were you expecting a weakening the general climate behind those numbers is pretty clear as you've outlined but what what, what have you thought about the data points along the way
1: well, if we to sort of put it in context, the, the second half of last year, we saw growth, or over the whole of last year as, as a whole, we saw growth averaging about 0.5% quarter on quarter. For the first half of this year, it's averaged about half of that. So as I said, the question is whether that is the sort of new normal or whether it is a temporary slowdown. Now, as you mentioned, there have been some, some data indicators recently, which would suggest that it may well be... Um, the former, that we may be seeing a a sort of drop down to a lower level of growth. So on one level, it doesn't concern us, or or at least it doesn't come as a surprise to us, because that is in line with our own forecasts. It does slightly concern us, because I think if we are seeing growth now of sort of 0.2, 03 quarter on quarter for the next several quarters, that's below trend. And it would suggest in due course that the labour market will start to soften. um, Unemployment may start to rise again. And
0: you know, the UK will be confronting a a, a more hostile economic environment. And the consumer spending component of the economy has been perhaps up until now surprisingly supportive.
1: Yes, it has. Um, I mean, the consumer is always such a key component of UK demand. Um, and what's been worrying us for a while is that uh, although inflation's picked up, wages haven't. So we've seen this squeeze on real earnings. We know that savings are at historic lows throughout the economy. Um, so consumers are on pretty thin ice. So I think what's been supporting spending up to now is this rapid growth in consumer credit. And while you could look at that and say, well, it's a good thing, the consumers spending, the unfortunate reality is, of course, if it's fueled by debt, then that is storing up potential problems for the future. And it isn't sustainable in the long term. And indeed, The regulators at the Bank of England, the Financial Policy Committee, the Prudential Regulation Authority are getting increasingly worried about this pace of growth in unsecured credit. And it's only a matter of time, in our view, until they start to crack down on it with macro prudential measures. So, you know, raising the bar for accessing this sort of credit and and making sure that banks are very careful about who they extend it to and so on.
0: So another risk factor there for sterling in an already quite complicated picture and one which is going to be quite difficult for us to track.
1: Yes, it is, and and I think um, I mean the consumer credit data is is relatively timely, so we'll know what's happening there. I think what's difficult to predict in all of this. I think we can assume, as I said, savings are low already, debt is elevated, and 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 um likely to be um to a degree cordoned off as a as a source of spending. The big question is around wage inflation. The Bank of England today pared back their forecast, but they still think wage inflation is going to accelerate to somewhere around three and a half percent over the next two or three years. Um, if that happens and if inflation levels off soon then the consumer may be okay because those real earnings will go positive again but if as we suspect wage inflation stays very weak then the consumers in for a for a very difficult period
0: and where does this play in do you think in the immediate term in terms of the outlook for sterling around these kind of levels we've seen today what what are you thinking for the rest of 2017
1: Well, we, as I say, think that this, you know, growth isn't going to go backwards. We're not looking at a recession. We're not looking at a sharp um, contraction of any sort. We're looking at just persistently soft growth against that, particularly for the eurozone and and to a degree, the US, the UK's major trading partners. We're seeing robust growth. So this is a sort of relative story of UK weakness. And that would suggest if that is what we're going to see, that, that sterling will sort of gradually lose altitude. We're not, forecasting a sort of big sharp fall in sterling such as we saw around the, the time of the referendum um, but we suspect by the end of this year will be around 125, 126 against the dollar from just over 131 at the moment so a fairly material decline um, and the recent losses against the euro are likely to continue. Um, we see euro sterling now around 90 pence going to about 92 by the end of this year.
0: And of course, as the number goes up there and the euro crosses, actually the pound weakening, it's yeah. more expensive yeah, to buy euros. It's always worth pointing out. And just generally, before we finish, this shifting picture for the relative outlooks of G7 central banks and monetary policy is one of the big themes for the year 2017. We're looking at the ECB eyeing, tapering, the first steps on the road to tightening policy. The rate rise cycle at the Federal Reserve is in place, although maybe a little bit more slowly than we expect. The Bank of Japan is sitting out of the game. The Bank of England is probably, in that picture from what we've seen today, a little more like the Bank of Japan than anybody else, is it? I mean, is there much they can do, do you think? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think, you know, certainly compared to what we were all used to back before the crisis, you know, for any of these central banks, it's a pretty glacial picture of tightening or less aggressive loosening, of course, in the case of the ECB. Um, But yes, those those other central banks, as you mentioned, the ECB, the Fed are certainly moving in the direction of Tighter or less accommodative policy, yeah. The Bank of England for us, and then this is is our is our forecast. Monetary policy is going to stay on hold for at least the next couple of years as as Brexit plays out. In due course, these members voting for a hike, we think, will rejoin the status quo and and um, see that that just isn't appropriate at this time. Um, and we stay in this holding pattern while, as the, as the governor referred to several times today, we await. Um, some clarity on the negotiations, uh, some understanding of future EU relationships and some reaction from businesses, either positive or negative, to those developments. There is no escape for sterling
0: from the ever-present spectre of Brexit. And with that, we're at the end of our time. John Wraith of UBS, many thanks for coming in, especially on such a busy day. As ever, thank you for listening to Hard Currency. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, for all the latest news and analysis, keep watching ft.com slash markets and fastft.